is something that I, I came to when I was really young and it carried me through my career, which was that nobody will come to me, I must go to them. Hello everybody and welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Jason Pfeiffer. Jason is the editor-in-chief of The Entrepreneur Magazine and host of The Pessimist Archive and The Problem Solvers Podcast. In this episode, we discuss how Jason worked himself up from a small local newspaper to the editor-in-chief of one of the largest magazines in the U.S., how to embrace change, walk into ambiguity, and create a solutions tree, and how to always learn on the job. I really admire Jason's tenacity and how easily he's been able to ebb and flow with the demands of his pursuits in order to strive for greater. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mentors Podcast. Today, we have on Jason Pfeiffer. Jason, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I really wanted to start and get into the nitty gritty. One of my favorite questions to ask anyone is, what's your origin story? What brought you to where you are today? Yeah, well, my, I'll try to compress it. My origin story it has twists and turns, but the, the basics of it is that I, I, in college, I knew I wanted to write. I didn't know what I wanted to write about, and I didn't know how to make a living off of it. I tried a whole bunch of things and found that journalism was the thing that I was good at. Mm-hmm. I was able to go out and talk to people and tell their stories, and I really enjoyed that. It, it, I, I discovered that being a reporter is like having like a free pass to the world. People just let you into their lives in this amazing way. So I got a job at a community newspaper. That was the only thing I had access to. I didn't have any connections. I hadn't done any cool internships. I worked at this tiny little paper. And um, and then worked there for about a year, quit because I realized that I wanted to work at far bigger publications doing work that felt more interesting to me and that that wasn't going to happen at this little community newspaper. Um, you know, like I, 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 an observation that I had that I realized um, is something that I, I came to when I was really young and it carried me through my career, which was that nobody will come to me. I must go to them. So at this tiny little paper, if I wanted to work for the New York Times, the New York Times was never, ever, ever, ever going to reach out to me and be like, hey, I really like that story you did about the community board meeting, like come work for the New York Times. It's not going to happen. So I had to go to them. So I quit. I sat in my bedroom for nine months in this tiny little town, uh, cheap rent next to a graveyard. And I freelance. I just, I just, I just pitched into the darkness. I didn't have any contacts. I would just track down editors and send them stories. And after a while, I started to get some hits, Washington Post, Boston Globe, uh, Associated Press. And, um, and then I just kind of, I just, I repeated that a number of times. I got another newspaper job because I was lonely and I needed the money, but I kept freelancing. I quit that job. I got to Boston Magazine. From Boston Magazine, I went to Men's Health, Fast Company, Maxim, and then Entrepreneur, and I freelanced a ton along the way. Every job that I've ever worked, I've had a couple side hustles, uh, usually writing for other magazines, New York Magazine, Slate, so on. But but some other things as well. Uh, more more recently, podcasting and speaking, and I'm always just trying to do two things at once. Really, I'm trying to do the job that I was hired for in the best way that I can, while at the same time being really mindful of what other opportunities are around me and ways to get faster towards the things that I find most exciting. Uh, because I I don't think that just working the job that you have is is really ever going to get you there. I think that you need to go the extra step. Yeah. So is that what drew you to Entrepreneur Magazine so specifically? You know, is that drive for opportunity, that outlook, and that reach? Uh, 
No, yes and no. I mean, the the real thing that drew me to entrepreneur was that I was looking for a job that was so um michael dubin who's the founder of dollar shave club used this phrase in a story that we wrote about him he said molten environments he really likes molten environments mm -hmm. uh which is you know an environment that's not hardened that you can come in and really shape yourself and i had come to be seeking that myself i worked a couple of these jobs men's health fast company which were really carry the ball jobs my job was to come in and pick up the ball from my predecessor and carry it you know like the magazine felt like it knew what it was doing it knew exactly what it wanted from its people carry the ball and that's most jobs and i after a couple of those i really didn't want to do that anymore i was looking for molten environments and when i got in touch with entrepreneur they were just looking to make some really big changes and looking for someone with a vision to come in and steer those changes and really have an impact and this is a this is a brand that uh, is very, very embracing of change and is there's very little bureaucracy here. You can have a, you can have an idea and we can execute it. And I just, I, that was what was really attractive to me. And honestly, it was, it was, I thought of it as a media job, uh, come in, remake a magazine, think about digital, just stuff like that. And it was only later that I came to really immerse myself into the ethos and language of entrepreneurs specifically, and that opened up a whole other world. Yeah, because I know a lot of your talks, because now, like you recently mentioned, you do a lot of speaking gigs. You get to go yeah. um, go around the country, maybe even international, and speak on these topics. Um, and being the editor-in-chief, how does an entrepreneur think? Or rather, what's that skill set? What's that you know mindset that allows an entrepreneur to succeed and be an entrepreneur? The number one thing is embracing of change. That is the key to everything. And the thing that I see repeatedly from the entrepreneurs that I talk to who are successful is that they have gone through many, many variations of themselves and their company. And they have, they have gone through it understanding that the thing that they are now will not be the thing that they are tomorrow. And so they don't hold on too tightly to it. Instead, they're constantly trying to understand what they're lacking and how they can improve and how they can change. And there are lots of different ways to think about that. Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn, says that everyone should live in permanent beta. That's the mindset that people should have, right? That you are always a product in beta. You're never a finished product. Um, Malcolm Gladwell told me that he, um, he, uh, his line to me was, self-perceptions are powerfully limiting. That if you think of yourself as only one thing, that you'll turn down all these other amazing opportunities. And there, I just hear versions of that from so many people. I find it, I find it to be the most true thing about success is the yeah. embracing of change. Yeah, that, that universal. I, and I love that outlook because I think it usually always comes down to one thing. And if you can put it simply, like embracing change um, or adapting to change, everything else just falls underneath that category, right? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I feel like problem solving is such a huge part of that. Um, but what I've noticed out of most of the kids my age, uh, maybe it's just because we're you know, 17, 18, uh, 16, but we have a really hard time problem solving. We don't really know how to look at the world or look at a math problem and go, I know how to solve it. Most of the time it's because the teacher tells us, hey, this is how you go through this math problem step by step. So now we know. But when it comes yeah. to adapting, you know, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So how would you, 
you know, how would you propose to especially a younger person like, hey, life is scary, but here's how you problem solve. Like, here's how you adapt to change. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation. I, so it's funny. I, I, I mean, this is obviously much, much, much younger, but it's like the most simplified version of the thing that you're talking about, which is my, so I have a three and a half year old son. And the other day he was sitting in the kitchen and watching like, you know, in the mornings we give him uh, like my wife's old iPhone and he watches Nick Jr. or whatever on it. And, uh, and it stopped working. And so he flipped out. And <laughs> so I, then I, so then I went through this, these series of things uh, to try to figure out what was going on. And, um, and while I was doing it, I was trying to explain to him what I was doing, right? Because he has, and you know, I mean, he's three and a half. Like he has a very, like he understands like it either works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, then, oh God, the world is ending. Um, and I was trying to explain to him the various things that I was trying, right? So like, okay, so the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to see if this is a problem with the app. So I'm going to close the app and reopen the app. Okay, it's still a problem. Um, I'm going to connect the phone to a different Wi-Fi. Let's see if the problem is the phone or is the problem the Wi-Fi, right? And you just kind of keep testing things. And I was like trying to explain this to him. And of course, he's three and a half. He has no interest in it. But, but, um, but the reason I bring it up is because what I was doing was creating a solution tree based off of patterns that I've experienced before, right? Like I've run into a problem like this enough times that I know the problem is probably either with the app, with the phone, or with the Wi-Fi. So we've got to now test those three things and then we'll identify which is the problem and then we'll go towards it. It's just a solutions tree. And, and I think that everything that we run into in, in some way or another just requires a solutions tree. And the thing, the question then is, do you know how to build it? And of course, when we're facing situations that we've never had to solve for before, we don't really know how to build the solutions tree. And so my advice to anybody who's at the beginning stages of that is to, one, understand that whenever you run into a problem, there are there are there are multiple options and and one like really good solution. And so what you shouldn't do, like you shouldn't try one option, it see that it doesn't work and get frustrated and assume that's all the options, right? Instead, just go in with the mindset that even if you can't identify what the options are, there are lots of options. So your next step should be either going back through your own experience and thinking through other observations you've had can you can you pattern match can you identify things that worked in the past and the ways that you solved those problems and then import those into what you're doing right now and if you cannot or even if you can go talk to other people say how did you solve this problem right now at entrepreneur we're rethinking some things on our digital side and I'm leading that effort I don't really have the solutions so the very first thing that I did was call up every smart person I know in digital. I have a whole bunch of friends who are running websites and um, people I've interviewed in the past and I ran around town and I sat down and I talked to them. And that information really helped me start thinking through the solutions for here. I would not have gotten there on my own. So don't be afraid to talk to other people because those people have solutions that can be really useful to you. Yeah. And, you know, just looking back at your journey and you saying, you know, you had no one and you had no network and now I feel like you're heavily connected, uh, I think it's just a phenomenal change. Um, 
especially yeah. on the people you've gotten the opportunity to meet uh, that some people uh, never will and we only get to listen to them or read their books you know you've talked to amazing entrepreneurs how do you know what is by far one of the most impactful things one of them has said to you that has really changed the foundation of you or your work or um, of your lifestyle hmm I mean, the ones that stick to mind the most are the ones that all fall into that category of change that I was talking about earlier, uh, right? I mean, I love that Reid Hoffman quote and the Malcolm Gladwell thing. Another one that really jumps out to me is um, is when I was talking to Richard Branson and asked him how he had approached how he so like how he had approached um, building the the company that he did, which was so multifaceted and 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 reaches into all of these industries. And he said that he really has always encouraged his employees to go beyond the bounds of what they know. Uh, so uh, whereas a company, some, you know, some company that does a thing, Coca-Cola, I mean, he wasn't picking on Coca-Cola, but I will. So, <laughs> Coca, you know, like Coca-Cola, you hire someone and their job is to like make Coca-Cola, you know, um, or to uh, or to or to, to market the snacks that Coca-Cola owns, whatever they like. They're really, really sticking to their to their peas and carrots, so to speak. And Branson's, what he had always encouraged his people to do was to go beyond that, to start exploring opportunities that they didn't really know anything about and to, to bring it to him and uh, show him that it's an opportunity that they should both go into uh, that they didn't really understand. And that freedom and that encouragement of sending people out into the unknown is what ultimately led to a lot of these new business opportunities. And I, I really, I just love that. I love that, that, that pushing into the unknown. Um, I would say that the, you know, the, the thing that in my most recent version of myself, uh, you know, my sort of entrepreneur editor in chief phase of my career, uh, the, the piece of advice that has been most useful to me did not come from Richard Branson or Malcolm Gladwell or Reid Hoffman. It actually came from my wife. And that was because when I started out in this job, uh, people would interview me and want to treat me as a thought leader. And I was really not used to that because my background is in journalism. And in journalism, you're really trained to not be the story. You're, you're, you're supposed to tell other people's stories and not be the story. And so I had internalized that. And then people would interview me as editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. They would, they would introduce me as a thought leader and they would want me to speak not about the people that I had covered, but like just advice about the world. And I was, I just was unprepared for it. I didn't know how to do it and it made me uncomfortable. And I would always try to caveat, well, I'm not, I don't think of myself as a thought leader. I think of myself as a journalist. I tell stories. And it was like terrible, right? It was like not at all what they wanted to hear. And they, they, it was, it just, it felt like falling down the stairs. <laughs> and so I, um, I was telling my wife this after uh, a while and she said, and this was the great advice. She said, if they want you to be a thought leader, then be a thought leader do it like do it it's what they want it's they want they want so do it like don't stop saying that you're not it just like be it and it made me realize that the only difference between someone who is a thought leader and someone who is not a thought leader is that the thought leader is willing to say i'm a thought leader like that's it it's literally the only difference i mean who's like thought leader is like some special knowledgeable person no there's a lot of special knowledgeable people but some people have internalize that they can stand on a stage and give wisdom to people and some people have not done that and um i thought okay 
I'm going to make that a project. I'm going to get comfortable with it. I'm going to start spending a lot of time thinking about how entrepreneurs talk and what they respond to and what my message would be and how can I draw details from my own life and my reporting and find some themes that I'm really passionate about. And the result of that is really what you hear right now, me talking a lot about change and also just me presenting like this in this kind of confident way where I know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, who the hell am I? I'm just a guy that got a job, but I have approached it in a way in which I'm serving what I think is really a marketplace need, which is for me to be a thought leader. And so I am. Well, I mean, I might put you on the spot one more time sure. <laughs> uh, for doing such a thing. You, you know, what advice do you have to the new generation, you know, through, through your, through your work and through, you know, what you've become and the change you've embraced of being a thought leader and, you know, being an editor in chief, you know, what do you say to the younger kids out there that really want to make it, you know, really want to make something happen or they don't want to do anything at all? Well, if they don't want to do anything at all, I can't help them. <laughs> very true. Very true. I don't, know, I don't know what you will do. I, I, my advice to you is to rethink. Um, but, uh, uh, but for the, for the young generation, I mean, I, I am a, an enormous believer in skill set building over everything else that, you should be putting yourself into situations where you are learning and where you are developing in a forward momentum way and that you shouldn't take a job just because it's cool. You should take a job because it, it can teach you something. And the second that you are not learning on the job anymore, it's time to go find another one and always, always, always be learning, be a continuous learner. I think that the reason that I am where I am right now is because at every job I focused not on really what the subject matter of the place was right like my first magazine job was at men's health I didn't care about men's health but I was interested in learning how to edit for a national magazine and there's a particular kind of editing called packaging that men's health had done particularly well and I wanted to learn that because I thought that would be a useful skill set but then I was always really mindful of the things that I didn't know. I didn't know long form editing. I had to learn that. I didn't know, uh, uh, I, I didn't really know long form writing for that matter because I hadn't really done a lot of features. Um, I didn't know celebrity writing. So I didn't really know how to step in front of someone who's big and famous and important and like talk to them. And I wanted to learn how to do all those things. So over, so strategically over time, I would take jobs or I put myself in situations where I could learn those things. I was filling out skill sets. I didn't care where I got it. I needed to learn the skill set. And I think that is really valuable. Also equally valuable was, was me being aware of what I didn't know, situational awareness. So while you're out there with skill set building, do not be blind to the thing that you don't know and don't be embarrassed about the thing that you don't know. Go out and learn it. And I, this will just, this will make you, the word is versatile. The word is versatile. This will make you versatile. And that will, that will benefit your career more than anything else you can do. Oh my gosh. You know, I couldn't agree more to say the least. Seriously. Like, I hope every person listening to this really takes it to heart because a lot of times everyone thinks you have to be an expert in the field, right? But I don't yeah. think that's necessarily true anymore. I think that, you know, the more well-rounded and the versatile you are, the better, you know, something like a linchpin, I think it's called. Yeah. I mean, you know, expertise is good, but you can build that expertise. Uh, you don't, uh, you know, don't, nobody was, nobody was born an expert. So don't expect 
that you have to be one to get into something. Instead, get into it and then become the expert. Oh, definitely. And a lot of people think that there's that barrier to entry, but it just doesn't exist. Like you have to, I guess you say like you have to force yourself in. Even if it does exist, I feel like a lot of people hold themselves back and they believe that it's right here when in reality it's like way over here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean, like there are going to be barriers. There are always, always going to be barriers. Uh, and, um, uh, and you will have to figure out your way around or through them. And I think that that comes from, like the solution to that is to learn and to be really clever and to take different directions. And also, frankly, to be totally open with the fact, and it is a fact, that the path will be unpredictable. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and if you are sometimes like, you know, I don't know, if I had if, if I had decided at one point in, earlier in my career, I decided that uh, working for the New York Times was my goal. And if I had stayed laser focused on that, mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't be here. I don't know where I would be. Maybe I would have made it to the Times. Maybe I wouldn't have. Um, certainly at the time when I was trying to work at the Times, that wasn't happening. I was too young and inexperienced. I didn't have any connections. And I didn't live in New York. So I wasn't going to get into the Times. But when... Um, uh, but because I, 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 like that goal to get to the New York Times was really not about the New York Times. It was really about giving me a direction at the moment. I think that you need a direction. You need a place to move towards. You need a sense of momentum. And you can change your goal along the way. And that's okay. In fact, it's good because you're taking in feedback, you're taking in the things that you've learned along the journey and you're adjusting. So my goal has shifted over and over and over and over again. And the point of the goal is, I think, not necessarily always to reach it. If you reach it, that's great. But more so, it's to give you a direction and you can figure out your path as you take the path. More true words than ever. I know so many kids that really know their direction right now. Like they really know I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a doctor. Right. And they work up to that. And sometimes they make that goal. Sometimes they don't. But most of the time, more than I found a lot of kids that just have that sense of direction, but you know, change as they go, they end up more happier. A lot of, you know, a lot of people that I know, they say, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. And then they become a lawyer. I mean, there's not much of a journey in that. And it's yeah. just kind of a stagnant thing. It's not as fun. Well, that's yeah, but you know, if they if they truly felt the entire time that they wanted to be a lawyer and then they became a lawyer and they're happy about it, then that's great. Good for you. You had a really, really direct journey. I think that's it's rare, but it's certainly possible. I mean, I, I you know, listen, it doesn't have to be like a fun, wacky journey. If you want a thing and you go out and got the thing, then you know, hats off. But for most people, I think the journey will be winding. And you might say that you wanted to be a lawyer, but then you start studying to be a lawyer and you discover that you hate it. And I think that some people trap themselves into saying, well, I said this for so long and now here I am. And I guess I got to go through with it and resign myself to being a lawyer. And, and that's, that, that's like a recipe for sadness. I've, see, I've yeah. seen that too many times. So um, like, listen to yourself and mm -hmm explore and be okay you know i mean there's like a you're familiar with um sunk cost the sunk cost theory um so it's an economic theory and the idea is that um 
the idea is that we have a habit of sticking with something based on what we've already invested in it. This is how people get into scams. So, you know, like somebody's getting scammed out of, they, they pay a thousand dollars and then the person's like, ah, but if you give me another thousand dollars, then you'll get all the money. And they're like, okay, well, I already put that thousand dollars in it. Right. And, um, and the similar thing with like, well, I've already spent all this time thinking about being a lawyer. I guess I should keep doing it. But the, but, but, but some call, like, don't, it, you have to think about what you've invested as a, as a sunk cost. It's gone. It's gone. It's not with you. You should, you should make the determination based on how you're feeling and what the reality is today today so in other words if you are if you've gone years saying you want to be a lawyer and then suddenly you decide you don't want to be a lawyer i wouldn't you don't don't weigh all the years that were in the past where you said i wanted to be a lawyer those are sunk costs they are gone you spent that time and energy it is sunk it is gone instead don't be attached to that stuff that's sunk think about where you are right now standing on dry land where do you want to go now that's yeah. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of sunk cost before. That's serious. I really want to, I'm going to look into that, dive into that more. But Jason, I know we're running out of time. Thank you so much for being on. It was wonderful talking to you. It was wonderful listening to your insights. Uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Well, thanks. You too. I appreciate you having me.